Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everyone, to the 169th episode of Power Your Parenting, Moms of Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. This episode is being released on June 20th. So for all of you moms listening, congratulations for getting through the busiest and I think the most challenging month, May. For most of you, it's not the merry month of May. It's the busy, stressful, and exhausting month of May. So I hope that you will get some well-deserved downtime in June where you can sit around the pool or the lake or the ocean and just exhale. As most of you know, I released my second best-selling book, Dial Up the Dream, Make Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You, which is for moms with daughters going into their junior year in high school or senior year in high school, college, or even after that, till mid-20s. Dial Up the Dream was released the first week of May, and I know that many of you moms didn't have any extra time to sit around and read a book, but now would be an awesome time to read this book and get you ready for junior year or senior year or when your daughter leaves for college or when your daughter goes back to college. So many of you can still feel the frustration of May in your bones. And wouldn't it be great if you could get ahead of the game for next year? Oh, yeah. If you have a daughter in middle school through junior year in high school, Down Down the Drama is a book that you need. And I think summer is a great time to think about, reflect, what have you been tolerating and what would you like to see change? And these two books would be awesome to help you do that. So I'm so excited for all the feedback I already have gotten from moms who read Dial Up the Dream. It's already changing mother-daughter relationships and bringing encouragement and guidance for that next step of mothering and literally just changing lives. But you don't have to take my word for it. And here are some of the subject lines I received from some of the moms who left reviews for Dial Up the Dream on Amazon. 
read Dial Up the Dream to improve your relationship with your high school slash college daughter today. Dial Up the Dream is a treasure of practical advice and proven strategies to help you dramatically improve your relationship with your daughter. Order the book now. This book is invaluable to myself as a mom and a psychotherapist for my clients. I don't think there's a mom who wouldn't benefit from reading this book. This book is a lifesaver, as close to an instruction manual for moms as it gets. This book will change your life. The most supportive parenting book for mothers and daughters entering adulthood. This book made me excited to launch my teenagers into adulthood. Moms, grab a lifeline and order this. Moms, you need this book. Great book to help coach you through the young adult years with your daughter. It's the what to expect book for moms of young adults. Full of great advice, gentle in tone, and highly actionable. This book is like no other. So moms, I would encourage you right now, if you haven't ordered your book, Dial Up the Dream, to do it right now, and you will thank me. Today's guest is Kara Kaff. Kara is a writer, editor, and teacher who coaches high schoolers to write their best college application essays and get ready for the top tier schools they plan to attend. Kara has really important and practical information in this episode that can help both moms and soon to be seniors with college essays. Plus, she shares tips that might surprise you, actually. Kara also has great tips for helping teens get over writer's block and even start to enjoy writing. So welcome, Kara. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, yes. So the first question that I ask all my guests is, are you a mom? I am a mom. I have three wonderful children, uh, five, seven, nine. So teenage years are still ahead, but I'm definitely in the mom trenches. Um, are they boys or girls? I have two girls. My older two are girls and my youngest is a boy. Yes. Well, you actually, the nine-year-old is considered a preteen. It's true. It's true. I find this really <laughs> hard to believe, but she is definitely, she's already looking ahead at that next birthday going 10, 10 is right there. I can almost touch it. Yes. Yes. So why don't you tell us a little bit about why you're doing what you're doing? So I went to college for journalism because I love to write and I love good writing. And I enjoyed some work as an editor where I was taking people who were professional writers who still didn't quite have their organization locked down. And I was taking their work and making it better. And that was my role like in different publications. And I loved that work, but I kind of felt like that, you know, that story about the person throwing starfish back into the ocean one by one. Yes. <laughs> I felt like that. And I actually, I met my husband who was also a teacher and um, that inspired me. I thought maybe I, maybe I should go teach writing instead of, you know, editing one person at a time. So I went into the classroom for a while and I did love teaching writing. I love reading too. Of course I love reading. You can't love writing and not love reading, but the English curriculum encompasses so much, right? And I really wanted to be able to focus on teaching writing. And of course, having kids and being in the classroom doesn't always work really well together. So that was the point at which I decided to go independent. And um, I actually started working for a company as a private writing coach. And then they pivoted 
to the idea of college essay coaching because they said, there's this need out there. Let's fill this need. And that was when I was introduced to the idea of, oh, people are writing these college essays and they really don't know how to write a personal essay because they aren't writing personal essays all through high school. The last time they did that was when I had them in middle school (laughs) because Uh. that was the grade that I actually taught was seventh and eighth. And that's when you really learned to write the personal essay. So just all of these things came together to really show me this is exactly the fit for what the world needs and what I'm good at doing. So I've been there ever since. Yes. Well, I really know what what you're doing is needed because I've sat across many clueless high school kids who had no idea what to write about and were completely lost. So let me uh, start with this question. So for the moms listening, they're probably wondering, like, when do you get started on applications? And then what is the best way to get organized? Such good questions, because right now, this is such a great time to start worrying about it right here in June, because you have time to not actually worry, to not actually stress. So the first question you need to ask if your child is about to become a senior is what's on their plate for this summer? And this is slightly out of my lane as an essay coach, but it's something that directly affects the work that I do with students is if they come to me and they don't have answers for all of the questions that are going to be asked. So the first thing is if your child doesn't have something already that um, maybe is going to be a great topic, which a lot of students do, a lot of students are planning on something like a mission trip, a month on a boat, a leadership conference, uh, an internship, a research opportunity this coming summer that's going to make a perfect essay topic. So if that's the case, they don't need to stress about starting to write until August. And if that's the case, they should be focused now on making their college list as clear and succinct as possible. The later we get in the season, the more often I tell students and parents, just start the essay. You can worry about the list afterward because you don't want to back yourself into a corner of, oh, I'll start the essay later. Oh, I'll start the essay later, right? By September, you should be starting the essay. By October, you should really be starting the essay and you can worry about your list as you go. This early in the season, they should take their time and really look at the schools out there because you don't want to be applying to 20 schools if they aren't all schools you're really desperately excited about the possibility of going to. So many students don't really focus on the list because it is truly overwhelming. It really is. There are so many choices. And so students, I think, get completely frozen by that level of opportunity. And they start to zero in on, okay, what are the schools I've heard of? And the schools you've heard of are good schools, but they're not the only good schools out there. And they're not necessarily the best fit for you just because you've heard of them. So right now in June is a great time for students to ask, okay, what are my limitations? I actually did a ridiculously long blog post about this. I think it was in April. Um, And it's, you know, questions you want to ask before you decide on a school. And you can really start with something as simple as geography. Where do I want to be? Because basically any answer to that question, you're still going to have more choice than you can handle. Yes. So start with that and then winnow your way down. So I really encourage moms to go read that blog post. I think it's April or early May, really recent in my blog list of what's, what questions do I need to ask so that their student can winnow down that list to something that's reasonable. Because especially if you're applying to really competitive schools, 
the more competitive the school, the more difficult the application. That's really simple, right? It's partly because they need to be more challenging their application to see if your kid is up for the challenge. And partly because I honestly do think they want to discourage people from applying because everyone is applying to Harvard. Mm. Because wouldn't it be cool to say I got into Harvard? Yeah. Even if they don't actually care if they get into Harvard. And so it's fair at some level for Harvard to be like, do you really need to send me that application if you don't actually want to come here? <laughs> so, so the IVs have really long applications. And so to limit that list and say, what do I really need to do? Um, it's just smart. And so again, I have free resources available linked at my website that help just organize your list. What are the schools I'm looking at? Would these be considered safeties for me or a good match or a reach? And then how many of each do I have? And that kind of question. Yeah, you're saying so many things that I resonate with and have heard from teens and have seen a lot of seniors since I'm a therapist. And they aren't interested in the schools they apply to. They just kind of just grab a bunch of schools. So then when they get accepted to them, they're like, eh, like they don't care. So that just makes a ton of sense. Like, (laughs) I mean, it's common sense, but it doesn't happen really applying to schools that you want to go. And I have sat with the students who have applied to Harvard because they thought, wouldn't that be cool? And they didn't get in and they were devastated. But they when I asked them, did you really want to go to Harvard? Oh, probably not. But that would be cool if I could say exactly what you just said is what I heard, like was verbatim from one of my clients. And I've had to say to students, I think I think I even wrote it somewhere in my blog recently. No one in your life is ever going to ask, where did you also get in? (laughs) Yeah, that's good. That's good. It's so true. Oh my gosh, so true. All right. So I love what you said about if if kids have these internships or experiences this summer, that's really great. And I've also sat across the room from teens who just don't have a clue. They're completely overwhelmed and they don't think they have anything special about their life. So like what tips would you have for that kind of teen? I always tell students, your life is only average to you because it's yours. Mm. This is what's normal to you. So it feels like, no big deal. Like I will have students who grew up bilingual and that doesn't even enter the conversation until later on because like, well, meh, yeah. I mean, sure, we speak Greek at home, but like, well, remember that actually most people don't. And so it's really easy to overlook parts of your life that that are different or interesting. The other thing, though, is that I feel we put way too much pressure on ourselves to stand out. Mm. Realistically, you aren't different from every other applicant in the world. And that's a good thing. Um, I had a great conversation in the fall with a teen about this very thing. Like, we have a lot in common with each other. That's That's why we read, right? We read books where we resonate with the character. My daughter's reading Esperanza Rising right now. And she read the description and she said, wow, it sounds just like a little princess. (laughs) Because it does. And (laughs) guess what? They're both great books and people still read both of them. Right? Because they are in fact totally different, but the actual central plot and theme are, are very similar. 
riches to rags to riches story. Yes. And so teens, I think, need to be kind to themselves and realize that they don't have to be different from every other applicant in everything they do because they are different through who they are. And that's what the essay is designed to show. It's designed to show them being them. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, getting that voice through, getting the different layers of who they are. You know, no, you're not the only kid to play soccer, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be able to tell a soccer story if that's really important to you. Yeah, You're not the only kid who's ever been on a mission trip, but if that was really meaningful for you, you should be allowed to tell that story. So I'm not one of these coaches that says, oh, you never want to write about this and you never want to write about that because that's too cliched. I've had a student choose a topic that I honestly thought was kind of boring because they were too afraid that the one that I thought was really fascinating was too cliche. They were convinced it was too cliche. So I said, okay, it's your essay. It's the story you want to tell. We're going to tell the story you want to tell. But the fear of being cliche, I think, is really messing with kids. And it's um, they're letting it drive how they're choosing their topic. Um, And so I would reassure them that most students have something that they want to tell when they dig deep enough and when they're honest with themselves and when they're open enough to the process. Yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense. So if it's really true for them, even though it seems like it's just soccer, but if it's a story that's really true, and like you say, of course, like, you know, with writing is that there's so many layers. So soccer is like maybe the surface level, but then you can dig deep into some really rich content. Exactly. So inside story and outside story. The outside stories are always the same. The inside stories change. Oh, look at you. That's all so succinct. Okay. So how do you avoid writer's block when it comes to writing your essays? Or like, what can mom suggest to their teens about this? Well, so that's such the first question is easy. The second one's hard. All right. Well, yeah. Let, let's. You're absolutely right. So let's let's um, do them separately. So when we're talking about writer's block, okay, I'm I'm gonna give you the the really basic framework that I always teach first, and this has blown the minds of children and adults alike. When we write, we are sitting down and we expect to produce some form of writing immediately. This is this fiction that has been created in schools with on-demand writing, SAT and ACT essays. Students believe it. And honestly, I think adults still believe it, that if you're a good writer, you just sit down and write. And Grammarly ads, oh, (laughs) when they show them write typing and Grammarly interrupts and says, don't you mean? And then they stop and delete. Oh, it makes me cry. It makes me cry. This is the worst possible writing process that you can do. (laughs) Writing and editing are separate. And so what will break you free of writer's block forever is to acknowledge to yourself, I'm not going to write something good on the first try. It's Mm -hmm. not going to happen. I have permission to sit down and write something bad. Any professional writer who writes about writing, Anne Lamott is one of my favorites, Mm -hmm. will tell you that exact same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm free to write the worst junk in the world. That's how I'm going to start. And the way I like to say it is that writing is three separate processes. It's idea generation, it's idea organization, and it's idea presentation. And you have to do them in that order and you have to do them separately. 
And so once you tell yourself, I don't have to worry about how it's organized, because that's the first question you think, right? When you sit down is, okay, where do I begin? That's mm-hmm. an organization question. That's like asking, how do I get there when you haven't decided where you're going yet? Yes. And presentation is totally your last thing. That's like coming into your kitchen and like, okay, I'm just going to clean everything up and then we'll make dinner. Like, well, <laughs> but it's already clean now and you, no, not going to work. Right. Not going to work. Right. right? So you have to give yourself permission to write for idea generation. What do I have to say? Like, what do I actually want to say about this and really wonder and be curious and write that out first. And when you've got all the information on the page, then you can go back and ask, okay, where do I begin? And so it's trying to do those three separate processes together, usually all three of them at once for teens. And Mm -hmm. some of them, it's not even like, it's easy to say, oh, they're being a little bit lazy. They don't want to write a second draft, but some of them honestly believe that they're saving themselves time. Like if I just do it right the first time, I won't have to do it a second time. That's just logical, but you're not going to do it right the first time. So you're not saving time. You're actually (laughs) just stressing yourself out. And at best you're going to finish with something and it's still going to be out of order. You're just not going to recognize that it's out of order because you spent so long thinking about it. Like basically everything I've ever edited for anyone is out of order, whether it was professional (laughs) writers or my adult (laughs) friends who ask me as a favor, like it's always out of order. People don't, know how to organize their writing. And that's because it's hard to teach in a classroom setting. And so that's another reason that I love my work, that I get to teach one-on-one and actually help students understand this is where this idea belongs. This is where this idea belongs. Oh my gosh. That's so much wisdom. Having written two books, that's all true. And you didn't say it, but what we know is Anne Lamott calls it the shitty first draft. (laughs) I think we can say that. And I think that was so helpful. I would have not written my first book if I didn't have Anne Lamott's words in my head. And I said, you know, I I get an A plus. This is a shitty first draft. This is so shitty. But that was the way, the only way I could get started. Yes. And you're right. If you have the editor in your head, you can't even get your ideas out. Yes. Yes, we talk about the editor first thing. And I say, you know what? Like some people give the poor editor a bad name. They talk about that internal critic and we need to make him quiet. And and I say, you know what? He's an editor. That's his job. And we know that the first thing he's going to say when you open your mouth or when you put your pen to paper, when you start typing is, don't write that. That's stupid. (laughs) Right? Like opening salvo every time. But we just need to tell him, wait your turn. We're going to need your help later because you know what the college essay is only 650 words. You know how short that is? It's so short. My students and I, once we've broken the floodgates and they've accepted writing for idea generation, they come back with drafts that are 1,200 and 1,500 and 1,800 words long. We got to cut those things down. So so the editor gets his time just (laughs) now. Oh my gosh, that's much truth right here. So what are schools looking for in an essay? And then what are schools not looking for? Oh, good question. So I think that the school is seeing the essay as one of the most true aspects of the application because it's where you get an almost three-dimensional picture of a student if it's done right. It's hard to 
look at an activities list and understand, you know, has this person been doing soccer since they were three because they love it or because they thought it was going to get them a scholarship? Are they on the NHS because it looked good on their resume or because they're passionate about service? You know, like two students on paper in flat form, like lists and grades and numbers can look the same. And so I think that they're looking to the essay to say, where's the real person behind this package? Where's the personality? Where do we see that this is a person that will be proud to call an alum? I think that that's on their mind, you know, like we want someone who is going to make a, a positive contribution on our campus. And we're going to be able to say, yes, that person went to our school and they're going to reflect well on us. Right. Just like we're looking for the school that's going to reflect well on us. The school's looking for the students that are going to reflect well on them. Mm -hmm. And so I think that when we write that essay, it's not about impressing them with what you've done because you've already done that but it's about showing them who you are, showing them your capacity to change and grow. Mm, if you good. look at the common app prompts, they are all very specifically targeted toward stories of growth. How have you learned from failure? Where have you had an experience that helped you have a better understanding of yourself or others? And I think that's really smart from the college's perspective because they're looking at kids who are 17, 18 years old and if that kid thinks they've made it already, like, hey, I'm a legitimate candidate for an IV. I've got great grades and I've got great. You aren't really the kind of kid I want because you're still a kid. You might be a really smart kid and a really hardworking kid, and a really great kid. But if you don't think that you've got more growth to do, why are you going to college? Mm -hmm. So wise. That's so good. All right. So that second part of the question, what are they not looking for? Well, yeah. So that goes back to that. Um, people will tell you like, don't write about sports. I would say, don't write about how I saved the day in sports, right? They don't need a, how I won the big game story because again, it's not about your accomplishments. I like to say like, great. So you climbed Mount Everest. That's super cool, but you're applying to college, not a mountaineering team. So what? <laughs> And then obviously that would still, if that were a true story, it'd be a great story because there was so much conflict and success over failure and challenge. And, but that's what we're looking for. They don't care what you did. They care why you did it and how you did it and how you grew in the process. So that means no topic is off limits per se. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I read these things like, don't write about your drug use. And I think, oh dear, we really had to say that? I didn't realize we had to clarify that. Yes, don't, don't write about drug use. That's probably not a good choice. The one thing I actually will say you don't want to write about is a mentor or someone who's really important to you because then you're really writing about someone else. I've really never seen that work. You know, if you want to write about the loss of someone important to you and how that affected you, I think that's fair game. And I think it's really unfair when people say, okay, well, people have had tragedies. Like, that's great, you know. And I've had students say to me, does it sound like I'm asking for pity if I write about this? Not if you write about your truth and your experience. No, you're telling something. If they want to know who you are and you, for example, lost your mom to cancer when you were eight, that was a formative experience in your life. And you have a right to claim that. Absolutely. I think that's fair game. I simply wouldn't write you know, an extended piece about a relationship with like a teacher or a grandparent that ends up focusing too much on that other person. Because the mentor has to, you know, in every story, the mentor has to take the step back when the, 
when the child goes forward. And so this is the point where if you, in 650 words, <laughs> too often people come back with, um, and the colleges think they're very funny when they quip, okay, I'll accept your grandmother. Um, that's That's been said more than once. Um, and so you, you probably want to just avoid that topic as a whole. But when it comes to your activities, things that you're doing, whether it's, you know, service work or, you know, volunteering at your, I don't know, dance camp or whatever it is, choose your lens, choose your frame, and then show us something about you. Oh, that's so good. Because I can see how teens would want to say, I would like got the lead in the musical. I scored the most, you know, points in the basketball game. I'm super cool. And they think that that will get them in. But you're, that's such a good distinction about growth and change. And really, you're also talking about resiliency, like how to overcome, you know, the challenges. If you did lose a parent, that shows resiliency also. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, and again, this would be something that should go without saying, but obviously they don't want to massage the truth at all. And I've had just a handful who've tried and, you know, you can usually tell um, because the details become kind of slippery. And then, you know, they're usually honest with me when I say, so tell me more about this part. What, what happened here? And then like, oh, okay. So it didn't exactly happen like that, to which I always just want to reassure them. Like when they're doing that, they're doing it because they honestly believe that the story is supposed to turn out that way. They're trying at that point to write a fiction story that, for example, the prompt two is the one about success after failure. And they think that in order to prove that they learned a lesson the first time, they're supposed to win the second time. Well, yeah. life doesn't work like that. If you were in a competition and you made a foolish mistake and you learn from that mistake, and you go back and you do a better job the next time, that still doesn't affect the other competitors. The other competitors could still win. And so it doesn't mean that you didn't do your best and it doesn't mean that you didn't grow. And so you don't have to make it turn out like a Hollywood ending. You know, the lesson that you yes. actually learned is, is real and it's better than anything you're going to make up. Oh yeah, this is so good. Because I think teens are going in feeling like they need to write kind of that perfection story. And so it probably takes a lot for them to let that go or huge shift in perspective. Yeah. So do specific colleges look for specific kind of essays or do they kind of all look for the same thing? That's an interesting question. I read somewhere and I forget where it was, this fascinating and hysterical study in which someone and I don't know how they got access to all these essays. Someone compared the essays that got into, I believe it was Harvard and Stanford, and or maybe it was Yale and Harvard, but there was a comparison between people who used the word mom versus the word mother. And like one school tended to have more. And it was such a funny thing because it did suggest that this was not just coincidence and that there was something about the voice in those essays that use that more formal term versus the less formal term that appealed to one school versus the other. So I suspect there are these draws, but I don't think that anyone could actually put a finger on it, either a person in my shoes or a person on the other side of the table. I suspect they don't know what it mm. is they're looking for until they see it. It's one of those, oh yeah, that sounds like our kind of kid. And I use this metaphor with my students. I believe and maybe I'm wrong, but I believe that this is kind of like a dating 
relationship. No, I agree. In which when they present their true selves to the school, like this is the person that I am and that I want to be and that I see myself as, as my, at my best, that the school that resonates with that is going to let them in and that that's where they're going to want to be. So like if I have a student who sees themselves as a great collaborator and teammate, then are they going to really want to be at a school that's looking for someone who sees themselves as a driven uh, competitive leader? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that that's going to be the right match for you. And so, yes, you might not get into that school and maybe you'll feel bad, but maybe you wouldn't have been happy at that school. Or conversely, if you're a person who sees yourself as driven and competitive, are you really going to be happy at a school that sees itself as a collaborative environment where people are working together to advance whatever research or something? And you really wanted to be, you know, more independent and have your name on something. And that's not the vibe of that school. I think that if you, if you do it right, and if you choose positive, obviously your best side, but true things about yourself, then you're going to find the right match that way. Mm, That makes so much sense. What should students consider in writing supplemental essays? Also big. So again, it's the more competitive, although I don't know, I guess every year more schools start to see themselves in that competitive slot because every year more schools have supplemental essays. But just as a sort of preparation, if you're looking at your safety match reach, you can count on everything in your reach category having probably multiple supplementals, your matches might have one to two. Um, So just planning ahead for that. And then from there, we go back to that very first question we talked about with planning ahead. When there are so many topics that a school can ask about, and so it's smart to be a little bit aware of what you might have to write before you commit to your common app or your main essay, because you don't wanna write a great common app about, for example, why you wanna be a doctor, And then you go back and realize that three of your supplements ask you why you're interested in the field you're interested in. Because now you've already written that essay and you can't not answer it in the supplements because that's what they're asking you. Do you need to go back and rewrite your, right? You get this kind of crossover, this problem. So I recommend, especially again, since we're so early in the process, getting that school list down, looking, now technically they don't have to release their supplements till like August when the Common App opens again, but most of them stay the same year to year. They haven't changed supplements at all of the schools I've been applying to over the past several years. They've been more or less steady. So if you look at last year's, that's going to give you a really good sense of what they're likely to ask about this year. And so um, some of them will ask about your areas of academic interest or your career path. Some of them will ask about extracurriculars, like go into a little bit more depth about what one of your activities means to you. Some of them will ask about community, whether that's a community where you grew up or a community of your choosing. Again, that could be a club or religious institution or what have you. And for most students, I don't find there's a lot of overlap. There's only been a few, as I say, specifically with that um, career one where they think, oh, well, they're going to want to know about my career aspirations. So I should focus on that for my main essay. And then, then they're stuck when they get to that supplement. So having an idea ahead of time of, what you're going to be asked helps you allocate. I mean, realistically, when you're done brainstorming, especially if you're going to brainstorm with a coach that will help you like get more out of you, you're going to have options at the end. And so then to be able to look at, I like to call it your application capital, right? Like what you have to 
kind of spend around on your different um, essays. And you want to make sure that as many schools as possible know as much about you as possible. So if you think, okay, I want every school to know this story. This is ideally going to be my, my main essay. Is that going to overlap with any of my supplements? No? Okay, great. Okay, I really want schools to know this essay this story, but it's not big enough for my main essay. Are there any supplements that it could work for? Yes, maybe. Great. Okay. What about this story? This is an important part of me. How can I make this part of my application? And so looking at that spread of all the essays, the other good thing there is that students are often surprised when I point out there's overlap in these supplements. You don't have to write 21 supplements. You only have to write, you know, 13 or 14, which is still a lot of supplements, but it's a lot fewer than they thought they were going to have to do because there's so much overlap. And even if you have a similar topic, you can edit it. You take, you know, the foundation of the first piece, you know, maybe it's 350 words and then the other piece is only 200 words. Well, you ask, okay, what's similar? What is this, what is this 200 word focusing on and how can I edit it down to meet that need? That's really, really wise. So what are some traps that moms fall into when trying to help their teens with college applications? Or are there any? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this goes back to how can moms help teens get over writer's block? <laughs> and the, and the, right, the problem was they can, they can have them listen to that section on the podcast. But if, they, if it comes from their mouth, even if it's the same words, the teen's going to be like, yeah, okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> so how do parents best? help. Um, I will say I do have a free download at my site that is for moms, for parents about this is kind of gets into the different ways that you can help, whether your teen is currently just a freshman or sophomore, whether they're just about to start applications. But I don't know. I think that from the perspective of a mom, like right now worrying about applications with their teen, you have I know you're in such a tight spot. You want to push them, but you don't want them to push back, right? So yeah. I think that being just really positive and maybe asking more like, so how were you planning on scheduling your applications? When were you hoping <laughs> to get your applications done? What schools are you excited about? You know, trying to frame it more so that there's ownership on their side, but you're showing that you're interested. You're showing subtly that there's accountability because teens really do want it, right? You know this, but the moms may need this reminder. <laughs> they, they act like they don't want you to ask, but they really do. And they desperately need you to because they're going to forget because they're only teens. I work with some of the most capable students out there. I get a lot of top tier students that I work with. And I can tell you that some of them are right on top of things. They are driven and they make all their own appointments and they're, they're on top of it. But I have plenty of others who are A students and great writers and they still just, they aren't on top of everything. I had a student a few years ago who was applying to music school and didn't really know how early all of his materials were due. And that was such a surprise to me because he was coming to me expressly for essays and he's like, oh yeah, I've got the music stuff taken care of. I'm, I'm doing... And that's not my specialty. So I didn't ask any questions, but I later asked a friend who is, who actually, that is her specialty music school. And she said, well, wait, has he? And then sure enough, I start to hear, actually, I'm, I might need to, can, can we schedule a little bit earlier? Cause he was behind and he hadn't even realized it, even though that was his goal. He knew he wanted to go to music school and he 
but somehow he'd lost track of some of those deadlines. So the quiet accountability, I think your team doesn't want to feel like you're looking over their shoulder, but they want to know that if they fail, you're going to be there and say, Hey, Hey, hold on. Don't, don't miss this, right? Don't mess this up. Don't, don't drop this ball. So any ways that they can do that, I think are valuable. Yes. Um, I think what you said is really true in terms of helping your teens come up with their schedule. Like, so there's a lot of things to map out. You want to map that out and just, just for fun, just show that to me. (laughs) Because I do think it's very difficult in terms of the teenage brain to really organize that and see every step. And then you have the whole problem of procrastination, which is because of writer's block or feeling like I don't have anything important or I'm scared to go to college. And so there's a lot of feelings that come up with that. So I think I said in my book, Dial Down the Drama, and probably in my book, Dial Up the Dream, that I think one of the best investments that you can have is a coach to help your teen write those college essays, because then you're not the person who's continually trying to bug your kids. And what I see over and over with moms, over and over and over again, and it's understandable, is we as moms are completely freaked out about this. And we feel the pressure and we're scared. We want our kids to get into their dream university. And then we see them laying on the sofa on their phones. And it just it's just recipe for drama. So I think get all the resources that you can find, but maybe you have amazing chemistry with your teen and that all flows smoothly and that's wonderful. But for some kids, I really do think having a coach for the essays is really helpful. So what is your best piece of advice for moms who are trying to motivate teens with their college applications? I think it's that same sense of positivity And I mean, honoring how the teen feels, obviously, like we all know that if the teen says, oh, I'm a terrible writer and you try and say, no, no, you're a really good writer. That's not going to change how they feel about it. But I think then trying the angle of, well, you know, every minute that you're spending on these essays, all of this effort that you're putting in, it's going to make a difference. It's, it's worth the time. And I know it's frustrating. You know, you can validate that. It's frustrating. It's time consuming. It can feel like, I don't know, why do they get to make me do all these essays? Why do they get all the power in this relationship, right? It's a very frustrating experience. But I believe that all of this like self-reflection that teens do for this application is actually honestly really valuable in itself. You know, I, I joke sometimes and sort of sort of a joke, sort of not a joke that the Common App Prompt 5 asks them about a growth experience where they um, better understand themselves or others. And I honestly think that writing a college essay is is that experience for a lot of students. They they learn things about themselves by looking at their life in retrospect and going, oh, I guess I didn't realize that that's what was going on when I did that or how I was feeling or, and so I think that they get a lot out of that process. And then when it comes to questions like, why do you want to come to our school, which is a really common supplement, like you should know that answer. So it's frustrating Mm -hmm. to have to write it in a really beautiful 150 words, but it's still really important that you know. So, so think of it as there, 
they're doing you a favor. They're forcing you to know that ahead of time. So I think that moms just have to kind of <laughs> roll with the waves in terms of the, the drama and the despair. But I think that the having that, like, it's going to be okay. If you apply to enough schools, if you're, you know, if we're organized, you are going to get in somewhere. And mm-hmm. wherever that is, is going to end up being a good choice. There are many good fits, right? This is not finding a spouse. There are many, I mean, and maybe some people would say that there are many people out there for a spouse too, but you're definitely not looking for your soulmate when it comes to a college. <laughs> there are many good possible fits for you out there. And even if, you know, Harvard would have been your dream school and you would have loved it so much, there's going to be another school that has the same kind of cute old fashioned quad for you to hang out in and the same Quidditch team to play on. And, you know, like there's really going to be other schools that fit the needs that you're looking for. And so you're going to find a place that's going to work. You're going to work through this effort and it's going to make you a better writer and more introspective. And it's going to make you more organized. And that's going to all help you be more successful senior year and in college when you get there. And yes, it's a lot of work. Everything that matters in life is. So let's just keep going with it one step at a time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like what you just said is because I think a lot of moms and teens have that scarcity model and feeling like there's a, there really is a panic. There's a, a big panic for both the teens and the moms. And so, of course, that is a recipe for drama right there. So I think moms, if you know that your teen will get into the right school. In Texas, I live in Houston. It's very hard to get into the University of Texas, but they can if they go to Austin Community College or go to one of the satellite universities for University of Texas. Even if you think it looks terrible, there's still a path to your dream school. And I think one of the gifts we give our teens is just like that sense of it's going to work out like the positivity that I can see that you have with the teens is moms if you can have that positivity of and you can even agree I know this is a frustrating process I know you don't want to do it and just maybe there's something for you too I always like to talk about the teen's future self And that kind of helps them shift because I think a lot of times teens have a hard time with perspective. So I say, well, I know your present self is like, oh my gosh, I just want to be on my phone and not deal with it. I totally get that. But your future self is like, look, you need to start writing this thing because you want to be going to the school and you're going to have to get up and do that. So what do you think your future self is saying to you right now? Because the future self is going to have way more influence on your team than you, mom, unfortunately. (laughs) Yes. I also have a blog post that I wrote late in the fall last year that was about that question of like, okay, how do you get yourself finished? And truthfully, right, it kind of depends on the person, whether you need a carrot or a stick. Said, you know, you can imagine how great it's going to feel to send in that last application and know that you're done and imagine the weight off your shoulders and imagine bragging to your friends how you're done. Or maybe you need to have a very visceral mental image of what it will look like 
when you are, it's like 1130 on the night that your application is due <laughs> and your essay is really not very good. And you know that you're not going to get into this school that you really wanted to go to because you put it off too long. Identify with that feeling, feel that feeling really deeply and then go back to work. <laughs> so. That's good. That's good. All right. So how can moms contact you or get some of these free downloads that you're talking about? Definitely go to programs.karakalf.com. It's C-A-R-A-K-A-L-F, like Friday. And that's where you can find my subscriber hub that has all sorts of fun freebies. And they'll find a whole organization section that they can send their team to. And that way, it didn't come from them. It's just, um, you know, I saw this resource online. You might want to check out. Um, and if moms <laughs> are users of Trello themselves, I know that Trello is not a teen thing, but I think that it has so much potential to be because it's on their phone and it's on their watch and it can be a really great tool for organizing. And again, that quiet accountability, if teens want, they can put their mom as a member on their board. So mom can watch what's happening, what to-dos are getting done. So that's the organization section. And then there's a section that says for parents and they'll see that. And then that has the article that I was referencing earlier that talks about specific things that they can do. Well, that sounds so great. So Kara, thank you so much for being here today. And this was really, really good information. Oh, thank you so much. And I, good luck to all the moms out there who are facing applications this year. You can do it. It's a marathon, <laughs> not a sprint. You can do it. Yes, yes. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review this makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my award-winning, best-selling books, God Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, and my newest release book, Dollop the Dream, Making Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You. You can find both of these books wherever books are sold. And you can find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, and that has two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>